In a complex world brimming with new ambitions, the best leaders create the best workplaces. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers Podcast, where you can hear real stories about digital capabilities and a culture of empowerment with your host, Joanne Meyer. So welcome to the Digital Doers Podcast, and this is part of the Oil & Gas Global Network's community of podcasts, which is the largest community of oil and gas podcasts in the world. So uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, I'm here. I'm really excited to, uh, to talk uh, with someone who's going to help me understand reality today. Um, and I'm, I'm just naive enough and uh, um, ignorant enough to, I always thought there was one reality. But my guest today, Sean McCoy, along with other things, is going to educate me a little bit on uh, all the different kinds of reality that exist today. Um, so I'm really happy to have Sean here. Um, before we jump right in and, and learn all of these new things, though, I do want to say, uh, first of all, thank you to you for punching all the right buttons so you could join in today and hear this conversation with Sean. And also, of course, um, I want to say thank you to HPE. And HPE is the sponsor of this podcast, so we're very grateful um, that they allow us to come and have these conversations with you. And you know, HPE, they have a dedicated and experienced uh, group of folks um, on an oil and gas solution team. And so, you know, check them out at hpe.com or have a conversation with one of those folks. And, you know, these days they have a, um, a relatively new platform. It's been around for a while now called GreenLake. And um, they call it their edge to cloud platform. And the whole point is they want to deliver that easy, very functional, smooth cloud experience to you and that access to that wherever you're um, uh, at the edges and, and, and wherever your co-locations are, wherever your data resides, um, they're, they're the folks that can help you do that. You know, they have the widest portfolio of on-premise cloud services and over 12 years of consumption-based experience. So go take a look at HPE and their GreenLake platform, and it's the cloud that comes to you. So uh, with that, I'm going to um, introduce, try to introduce Sean. I'll in introduce him partially, and then I'll let him embellish a little bit, because I'm sure I won't get all the really important stuff. But Sean spent six years in the Navy, um, and he says at least some of that was in San Diego, uh, which is, a, we were just talking about what a tough place that is to be. Um, and he's also spent then 20 years in oil and gas. He was a manufacturing engineer with Schlumberger. Uh, he's done all kinds of things in sales and manufacturing and business development and all kinds of things. These days, he works for CBT, and he is the solutions manager for worker health, safety, and video as a sensor. So he's going to talk to us about all those things today. So welcome, Sean. 
Well, thank you, Joanne. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I'm very familiar with HPE. They're actually one of our partners for my company, but also uh, way back before when I was doing my own show, back at the Elevate show, that's who our sponsor was, was HPE. So, uh, excellent. So I know they're a great sponsor. They take care of OGGN, and they're a wonderful company to be partners with. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's a big, small world, as we talk about. Yes, it is. So, so tell us a little bit. Uh, you just returned from a from a trip. So, tell us a little bit about where you where you're coming back from. We'll do. So, I just came back from the Augmented Enterprise Summit in San Diego. As we were just lamenting how tough it is to to pull any kind of duty, professional or otherwise, in that town. Uh, but while we were there, the real the real idea behind that conference was what is going on at the very edge, the literal edge of the digital transformation and how uh, augmented reality was the primary focus, although they did talk about uh, extended reality. And uh, as you said, there's <laughs> we used to have one reality when we were <laughs> way back in the day. Uh, but as a little footnote to that to kind of help the listeners understand all the R's because there's an XR, there's a VR, there's an AR. Um, extended reality is just the, the umbrella for all of it. So it's kind of the overarching idea. Anytime you bring an R into it, it's part of that. Uh, virtual reality is one we all probably know pretty well. It's where you put the goggles on, the, the Oculus headset, or some sort of headset that immerses you visually in a in a in another world. Literally, like anywhere you look, it's not like a television or some or, or a phone where you only have the one interface. It is an immersive experience where you can up, down, all around walk around it's a it's in that aspect so virtual reality is that platform and then augmented reality is just like what we look at right here you and i can see the real world and then we have usually you have to engage with a device not usually you have to some sort of projection device either like uh, glasses or something else like that or a phone and that will project a digital image into the real world of like, let's say right here on this table, we could have a little uh, matchbox car. And if you and I both had our phones and, and you had a car too, we could both see it. And it was a digital representation, but you could only see it through the phone. People in the real world couldn't see it, but mm -hmm. those that had the access could see this digital right. rendering over top. So my husband is in heaven these days because <laughs> it's football season. And I always think of, am I right, that is augmented reality when I watch television and now I can see the 10-yard line, the yellow line? Is that, it's would that be considered? It's a brilliant example of one of the first uses of augmented reality. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Just that yellow line going yeah. across. But, it, we, but it's helpful. It's but it's helpful. <laughs> and that's the real key is that yeah. you ask people now, you wouldn't want, it helps you. It gives you a reference line. You kind right. of know where you're going. When he's trying to convert a third down or something like that, you know how far they have to go yeah. versus just before it was just that orange marker on yeah. the sideline. Right, on the so sideline. perfect. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, like I said, that was my simplistic way of thinking. I was like, okay, I think I can get that. No, but it's important that these things make sense and have a practical use as well. And so and so if that makes sense, you have the augmented version, you have the virtual version. Mixed is just like it sounds. It's when you bring all of those worlds together to some to some degree or another. So imagine if you and I, instead of being in person like we are, I was at my house and you were at your house. <clears throat> in the augmented reality, maybe I could project you in your desk so that I could see us sitting at a table together and you would do the same where what was in your real world was being projected into my world. So would that be like when we're avatars? To an, to an extent, okay. yes. You'd have that avatar size. You'd be an avatar, but I'd be real. Oh, I see. And then if you engage in a completely different digital uh, instant, or say you, you bring in something else that's, that's virtual, 
that it's not real for either one of us, but we can both in, engage with it relative to this mix. That's when you start to mix reality. And it's, it's so, oh, it sounds complicated, but if you just kind of break down each word, it starts to make makes, a little bit, yeah, makes it a little bit easier. So virtual reality, mm-hmm. tell me what the relationship is with virtual reality and the metaverse, or is that... Sure. So the metaverse is the instance that you create to explore, to be able to engage. So, so anytime you have a virtual world, there, it's what they call an instance or something to that, something to that effect. It's this. It's like uh, Minecraft. You're creating this, this virtual world. Yeah. And so the metaverse is this idea of connecting all of it. It's like the internet, for the virtual I got side. It. Yeah. So you, yeah. Right. It's the same idea of you're just trying to bring it all together in some some okay. platform. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to stay up with all the realities here. So sure. so that's uh, fascinating. So thank you for that that uh, very metaphysical kind of conversation. I think technical and metaphysical maybe. And so your company CBT mm-hmm. that you work with now um, on the website the tagline is technology with a human touch. What does that mean to you? Well, so at the at the AES conference, the first day I was the chair, so that I get to MC it like the uh, like the Oscars or something like that. <laughs> and so when I first my opening remarks actually brought up a little bit of what what that's talking about. Uh, all these things we just mentioned, and the things you mentioned on your show, and the things that on the other shows around technology. Uh, these devices are amazing. The hardware and software that's coming and, the, and all the stuff that goes with that is absolutely amazing and continues to invent. It's reinvent itself on a daily basis almost and just go to places we didn't think were, were, were possible. But the note in the, in the thing I wanted people to remember going into that conference, and I would ask in the, in the spirit of what you're saying about our company and what we look at this uh, in terms of our approach, is that's great, but a person is on the other end of that thing. All those devices, all the real wear headsets, all the virtual reality goggles, all the augmented reality glasses, whatever you bring, whatever software and hardware, a person has to use it. A person is going to be impacted by it. And that you can't, it's super easy to kind of distance ourselves from that and become very transactional and let the tech, we have this fear also, like this technology is going to take over the world. When for most instances that I've experienced, it just augments our ability to do the job, but you still need a person to make that business decision. Even if you get all the BI, get all the business intelligence you want, use all the artificial intelligence and machine learning inputs to bring all of this information to bear, it still takes somebody on some level, whether it's a lower level, you know, operator on the front line, mid-level management, all the way up to the C-suite, they're still gonna, it still takes a human being to do that. And so we try to remember, we try to keep that ingrained in everything that we do and not get so wrapped up in the shiny object that we forget that the shiny object isn't really what it's about. It's just a conduit at the end of the day, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And so um, do you guys take that, well, particularly if I think about like safety and worker health, not about maybe as well for, you know, video as a sensor, but clearly, you know, the safety aspect and worker health, uh, the end goal is even all about the people. Right, and so I, for your particular piece of this, I, I got to think it's even. And, and you know, I, I was an operations manager for many years, and and then I also had responsibility for a business unit at one point in time, but never more so, I think, than when I was an operations manager. Did I think about 
how to engage with people around safety. Because many times, I, I, what I always thought is, you know, people have been hearing at you know, tailgate meetings, morning meetings, they have been hearing about safety every day of their life that they show up to work. And not that that's, that's a good thing, but at some point, I think, how do you continue to get their attention? How do you continue to motivate them? How does it become, how does it stay top of mind? And so I got to think from a safety standpoint in this, you know, uh, humans, uh, uh, the tech, you know, technology with a human touch, that's got to be something you think about. Constantly, because, it, because at the same time, whether, whether it's an operation or however you want to describe it, safety, I, I think, has tended to get this kind of secondary also kind of like it's supposed to be at the beginning. Everybody will tell you it's the most important thing, but... <clears throat> It can also be the first thing that gets put by the wayside. And it tends to get associated with, uh, I don't want to say a hindrance, but a, a, almost a requirement from an operational standpoint, by the way, do this in a safe manner. And, and I feel like for a long time, especially in the oil and gas industry, if I can be, uh, I guess, generic, I would almost say they're almost diametrically opposed in a sense, or they, they don't they don't exist cohesively. But if you really look at it, it's, it's with that operation that when it goes awry, we have a safety incident. So what you're really asking them to do is while you're doing this, what are the mannerisms, what are the operations, the actual operations in a safety mindset that allow you to do this to get from A to Z based on what you need to do? And, and again, this all sounds high and, high and mighty up there, and, and but the, the real challenge is to your point of, I have to get something done to make make, make money or, or make product or, make, or provide services. Uh, while I'm doing that, I want to make sure I do that in such a way that it doesn't detract from... Uh, the person person getting hurt, which is which is stops all things and makes right. things different. And so, right. so how do we get the human, the human being, the person back to the human that, that's actually doing this stuff, that's turning the valve, that's turning a wrench, that's that's operate, is man, you know, making this thing happen. How do you get them to remember? By the way, we don't want you to shortcut. We don't want you to go around. We want you to do things properly. And if I could tell you that everything I ever did in my oil and gas industry was always at the top of the safety pyramid. Uh, that would be a lie. And I think it's really important for us to go forward, especially as we start to digitize, because what's going to happen, what is happening, is we're now being able to see, literally from a digital or however you want, or even a physical, what's been going on at the edge that we have not had eyes on for a long time. So you come together in the morning, break for operations, send out uh, the men and women to do their job. And at that point, there's this invisible workforce that you are hoping has learned, listened to training, listened to per parameters and protocols. When you go to do this, I expect this to happen. And that's been, and for the very, for the most part, that's how we do it. Uh, but there has been, because it's just the nature of the game that we've been a part of, this desire to, well, if I can just reach over and I'm not supposed to or don't put your hand too far in there or don't push this equipment too far or even my own physical endurance if I can drive a little further if I can get there a little quicker that we've we've we run that tightrope you're, you're taking some risk there that yeah yeah and, and, and if, I, if I'm lying call me on it but I think a lot of people especially in the operations side especially if you're out in the field especially if you're in certain manufacturing requirements there's a ten, there's an opportunity there, and, and discipline and integrity are part of that. And it's not that if you don't do those things, you're not, you don't have integrity. It, we're 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 trying to achieve a goal here, right? And right, and you know, I, I think that's you know, I, I I like this realistic conversation um, because we can 
all think that we always, you know, uh, do everything per the book or the manual or the regulation um, mm-hmm. all the time. But the reality is there's a whole lot of people out there at the very front line trying to get a lot of things done. And there are some obstacles at times in their in their way. And um, th- they are. They, they believe they understand the risk well enough. And by the way, sometime in the past, they might have skirted a little bit and they got away with it. And so um, it's interesting that you say that that's always, there hasn't always been a lot of transparency around that. But you think maybe, is that what you were trying to say, Sean, is that maybe there's a little more transparency around what goes on and... Right, it's coming. And so the ability to kind of hide, I guess, or to kind of hide the, the warts, if you will, is going to become less and less as you, as you literally digitize and you're able to quantify and see almost what's been happening out there as you start to put cameras out there. We see this with uh, law enforcement. We see this with social right. issues. and things right. like that. I'm not trying to condemn them. I'm just saying no, it's, you can see things you yep. didn't see before. Yep, absolutely. Right? So this, so that's, and that's just a kind of a, a generic kind of low-level interface. When you start digitizing uh, pumps and you start digitizing uh, op, you know, mechanical operations and you can get the information in real time, what's happening and how people are engaging with it, it's going to allow you to, to to know more, right? Let's get back to that great decision. But now, hey, we're going to see all that's been going on. We're going to see all this happening, and that can be a bit. Uh, and that can be. You can get a bit of pushback on that. Yeah, you can get a, and you get some fear. Yeah. And so I, th- I think it's important. To, but it's also important to understand that I do still believe that the vast majority of operations, vast majority of intentions, are done in a way that's we're trying to do the job right. I, I agree. I, I I think the intentions. I agree. And so this, and so technology is going to be allowing us to even do it even easier. And I'll give you an example, an anecdotal one. Years ago, I was a manufacturing engineer for Schlumberger on their main, uh, for their nuclear logging tools. So the actual actual sources used, and he has methyl density neutron tools for porosity and neutron uh, density measurements. So this is a radioactive live source. And the way that Schlumberger had it is it was a separate unit that could be fished out, and we had a, sh- a completely separate shield that it would basically transport in to go to the job sites because it didn't go. It's like having the engine separate from the car and you put it in before you go down hole. Well, there's a, I mean, the, the videos I remember watching are like, if you make a mistake, people are going to die and it's going to be on you. Either you're going to die or they're going to die. Either way, it's going to be on you. And I'm really shortchanging it. A lot of, a lot of training, a lot of things happen, a lot of, a lot of standards, a lot of protocols. But I can remember the very first time I physically had to engage with this unit to take the locks off and to unscrew this and to access that and to physically take it out. It can be, as well as you're trained, and I was, uh, I call it, for lack of a better word, the kind of pucker factor, like this is the real world and like I'm touching stuff and it's easy to forget that that's a left-hand thread, not a right-hand thread, or where is exactly do I need to start? Or maybe you just get a little anxious. And so if you imagine technology coming in, whether it's augmented reality that could literally show you Here's where you start, overlapping in a real unit. And right. now here's the lock that you start with. And then you go here and then don't forget this over there. Or even having a, a back to video, and it's not video as a sensor as much as it is something like a real wear, where you, because you've done operations for a while, come over my shoulder in real time as I'm looking at it physically and go, instead of having to be a digital representation, now, now you, Joanne, can look and go, hey, Sean, I know this is your first time you've been trained up and I'm here to help you walk through this. I just think that type of scenario uh, is is not only 
beneficial, but it's possible today. And I, I push back because a lot of people start looking at this technology. They think, oh, you're trying to track me. Oh, you're trying to look at what I'm doing. Oh, you're going to like super over manage me. And then I bring up that story like, wouldn't it have been a lot easier at that point? The anxiety I had as an employee, the, the difficulty or, or just the effectiveness of the training that we everybody wanted to have happen. If you could amplify that through technology, through something as simple as a hands-free video camera or, a, or, a, or an augmented reality uh, overlap to show you where to go, that's going to make the operation safe. Back to your original question of how does this all kind of tie in. And then my anxiety as, a, as an individual, my my upper management's anxiety of it, of it being done properly, and EHS's concern and HR's concern, I think starts to become minimalized. And now it becomes much more collaborative, much more peer-to-peer, and not so domineering like, you better get it right, Sean, or you're losing your job, people are going to die, cost the company money, and then your career's over. Let's pull back from the fear and using that as a motivator and say, let's let this technology help us and bring us together, which is what it actually does. Yeah. In a so it's another, it's a, another way to work as a team yeah. as opposed to having Big Brother look over your back. If right. you, it is kind of a perspective in the way you think about things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit, um, Sean, about some of the things that you are doing in your current role. So tell us a little bit either about the technology or. Oh, it's, so the, it's, it's fun. So it's not, it's, it's a pre-sales job. It's not a sales job. So I get to talk to sales, but I don't have the pressure of all that, but I get to go out and play. And my job is to know, and I say play, but a play is in terms of to understand it. So any hardware or software, we act as a conduit. One of the things that our company is a little bit different on, we don't, we don't make the hardware. We don't make the software. Uh, it's a 20 plus year IT company that recognized, you know, almost 10 years ago that this integration, this OT operational technology and information technology convergence was not going to be the greatest marriage and not going to be easy. I mean, these are completely different worlds, really. I mean, it sounds, oh, it plugs into a wand's electronic. Shouldn't we all get along? And your IT manager's like, no, get off my network and I don't know what you're trying to do and what is all this stuff you're talking about? I've got nothing to do with that. Uh, I had a guy from IT tell me the other day, he said, you know, we, we can store the data, you know, the client, you know, GreenLake and HP on-prem, you know, great. We can put it in a, in a database. We can, you know, cool it and protect it, store it, but we don't know what to do with it. That's not, it's not IT's job to like, you know, data insight and consultation and, and, and br- pulling from it some sort of, you know, business insider analytics. That's not IT's job. And so you have worlds coming together that seem very similar and should work well, but can, can tend, to, tend to not. And so we try to bridge that gap. We don't try. It's what we do is to make everybody, because we understand the IT language, we understand the OT language. And so how do we bring those worlds together so that it benefits both ends and so that, and you get all the benefits from it from A to Z. Because again, back to the shiny object on the operational technology side, hey, this new widget's going to save the world. And the irony is it probably can. And it probably has, it's, it's amazing unto itself. I mean, the hardware I see on a daily basis the software I see on a daily basis is just kind of mind-boggling. Phenomenal, yeah. It, it really is. Yeah. Uh, and I tell people this, and they just look at me going, what? Uh, and it's something like um, there's a company out of Germany that that will listen to your voice, speaking of a podcast. It can analyze your voice from an inflection standpoint in terms of your emotions, what words you say, how often you say those words, how much of a conversation is being spoken between two people. But it can also start to measure it from a health standpoint. You've probably heard somebody getting sick. You've probably said, you sound like you're getting sick. If you've done that, analytics, AI can do that. If you're a mechanic or you've been around the field for a while and you're somebody who's been around for a long time, they can hear 
that frack unit. They can hear the rig. They know they hear the pump, the whatever. They yep. know. Yeah. They know that draw works. They know yep. something's wrong, yep. and it has nothing to do. With, with, and it's they're so if you imagine, so and that's just what digital can do. It measures the frequency. It understands where the vibrate. It has a and it has an ability to contrast that. So if a human being can do it, imagine that a machine can do it. Something as simple as measuring audio, and how that could change. It could help me. There's a guy that I know that uses it on a daily basis. He'll go back and look at throughout the day if he had different inflections and how what this meant to him and how was I was I hungry here? Did I was I over was wow. I stressed there? It gives him information. Yeah. I can better see. He's like, okay, I start to see a pattern. Yeah. If I go into a thirty o'clock meeting, I better make sure I'm, I got snacks and make sure I'm not hanging. Because Snickers does an entire commercial about it, right? <laughs> right. Right. Well, and we you know we don't. Um, we, we, we don't always recognize, you know, but we are human beings. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think for much, as I get a little older, I have a greater appreciation for limitations yeah. on the physical being. But certainly there are times in your life when it's like, I'll just power through, right? I'll just mm. tough it out. And most of the time, if I'm sitting at the office doing some kind of report or a spreadsheet, so what, right? But... I would like to know if a pilot was particularly under a lot of stress or, you know what I mean, a oh, mental yeah. health kind of thing. I think that there are some jobs that seems like, or a truck driver for that matter, yeah. right? I mean, truck drivers, like you say, they're wanting to get home. They're wanting to get to that next place. But the risk that they pose on the highways for no other reason than they're huge compared to every other vehicle, you know, it's real. Yeah, we're in Houston, I think medical. I mean, how many, you know, yeah. a doctor at the end of a 36-hour shift or a yeah. nurse at the end of a 48. And, and again, it's not to pick on, but to pull that back into kind of more like oil and gas centric, uh, if you've worked out in the field or on a floor, like you have, uh, there's this paradox from a culture standpoint. So if I'm in charge of getting the job done and here's my team of people and uh, it's physically intensive to some degree and I have to get that, and accomplish that out of that group of people. I don't have a set protocol. I mean, there's a, there's a break at 11 break at you know, in three, but until then get out there and work Joanne and, and you know, it's eight to five, baby eight o'clock start working. Right. And so we, we and coming from the military and, and, you know, I used to work coveralls at Schlumberger, like I've been out in that world. And so it's, it's, it's hard for management to whoever's managing relative to that situation. If this person wants a break or this person isn't quite as, physically active or you have a tendency to kind of like get the job done to your point right. and let's just get there. Yeah. Technology, specifically in that area around overexertion and fatigue mitigation, using biometrics, just body core temp, heartbeat, you know, ambient temperature of the room. You can start to add in things like hydration, blood pressure. I mean, you can get these true metrics and even ergonomics, which is coming and you can, and there's protocol, there's stuff out there right now. And I always make this argument. Uh, if, you don't, as an operations manager, you don't want to know the heartbeat of, of when the guy passed out or you don't want to know his core body temp when he passed out yeah. and caused an incident. That doesn't help you. That's, right. just a, that's just a data set on a, on a report. What would have helped was that manager to know 20 minutes beforehand to yeah. say, Joanne, you're, we can see... Something's out of whack here. Right, and we have, and we have a protocol and we have an accepted standard and we have data. Yeah. And we know you're not... And you may not even want to, but we're going to pull you down. Yeah. And sit you down and let you let you rest until your actual biometrics pull you back up yeah. into a realm of acceptability. So, so that sounds really out there. Mm -hmm. Is it? Is it still kind of in the oh, infancy, no. or are there industries or 
companies that are using it. So I want to be careful how I, how I answer that. The, the software, the analytics, the, the people that have the companies with names, websites you can go to, they exist right now. Uh, and that's the thing that makes this kind of a little bit of a wild west. There's lots, I mean, I should say lots, but there's there's a lot of attempt to be made to do this in real time today that you can go and implement it. Uh, are people using it? That's where the adoption side is becoming yeah. very difficult, especially at scale. One of the things that augmented enterprise, I mean, enterprise is the big fancy word for, uh, is all of Porsche doing it? Is all of Ford doing it? Or just a little bit? Is all of SLB doing it? And so it, it's this... And really right now, nobody's doing it at super, super scale mm -hmm. for a lot of these technologies because yeah. it's so new. It, when we have these rules internally. We want to have a partner that has been established and blah, blah, blah. A lot of times in my vertical, they, not only did the companies we talked to not have that, nobody does. Nobody was even around two years ago that was even in this space. So there isn't, there is no history of it. So we're kind of running, we're building the Lego in like the game as it's happening. Yeah. But we have... But, but this, but this, the science is true. The data is true. The analytics are true, and sound and not continue to be modified. But but they make sense. Heart, I mean, heartbeat and body temp. I mean, those are simple correlations around exertion and overexertion and the tendency to do that. Uh, but, but making it accurate and impactful and really and really having that next step, like keeping that from happening, right. relatively slow in its or relatively small in its infancy mm -hmm. but where it has been implemented has shown results mm -hmm. on a positive side interesting and so um so sean tell us a little bit about because i we could sit here all day i love this <laughs> this i mean technology it's just coming at us so fast yeah. um it, it seems like to me um that it's just coming so fast at us and like you say the technology is out there and sometimes, you know, companies or many times companies are trying to say, well, where's the value? What do mm -hmm. I, what, what can I actually get out of that? So tell us, tell me something about uh, a little more um, uh, uh, common, I guess. So because you have, um, you have, uh, you publish some stories mm -hmm. on the website around turning the art of the impossible into the reality. Mm -hmm. So can you think of something that was really interesting to you or... Sure. So it's it's yeah. So start making the impossible possible is kind of the, you know, the the short version of that. But it's it's with this challenge of okay, great. And we did like our last conference on our, on our on our booth board. We we put this question up there on purpose, and it was so now what? Like that was our because we were surrounded by nothing but hardware and software people, and we specifically chose that phrase to answer that question or to at least move in the direction of what you're saying. So all this stuff's out there, it's all fancy, it's all shiny, super amazing, cool. So now what? And that's the real question. And so one of the things we do uh, specifically, a uh, good example, and I, I won't name the company company, but large, uh, large company in the uh, industrial space of um, kind of like in the Home Depot areas, one of the, some of your yard, places like that, uh, that, that do things around plants. Um, we met them at a, at a conference and they were, and what's interesting now is there's a lot of companies like that, small and big. I mean, I've met dredge companies that are 90 years old that don't have anything coming to these conferences and they're looking at us going, we don't know what to do. We don't even know where to start, maybe. Right, right. And we don't know, we know it's, but but, but it's interesting now, Joanne, is that they, there's an impetus. They, people know that they can't not do something. That's that's the big difference between now and a couple of years ago before the pandemic. Yeah, it was kind of cool, but people are realizing now I can't afford to be left behind. 
I don't know what it is. I'm not really sure what's even out there, but man, I need to find out because I know I can't, I can't do nothing and expect to be on the other side of this anytime soon. And so they came to us with it and, and they typically, and typically companies have an idea of what they think their initial use case is, the business value. Like we have a problem here or they'll hear something like what I just said about overexertion and fatigue and this particular customer had heard that and they'd like, oh, we had a guy fall out. We have a really intense physical, uh, we're an industrial manufacturing facility. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nasty, dirty kind of place to work. It can be hot. It's not the, you know, it's not an office. And so, and they had a guy pass out and they weren't sure why, had no idea what caused it. So they're blind and they recognize like, this isn't a good place to be, you know, just, just kind of hoping it doesn't happen again. It's not right. the right thing. So we need to focus on that. So this, and I, they talked about our technology. I talked about my, my vertical. They're like, oh, that sounds great. We do a, a, a process called a quick start where we'll go in and go, okay, well, here's the initial use case that we think that you think that we need to do. But let's spend a couple of hours and we get operators to, to champion people in between who we think should be there, maybe even HR, maybe even a, um, a legal, maybe even finance procurement and say, okay, what are the problems? What are the real problems? And we literally whiteboard and sticky note this whole thing. And what we've come to find out back to this, and it leads into the use cases, is we, we help them make business sense of it as well. Not just sense of the technology, uh, but not just what is possible, but just because it's possible doesn't mean you necessarily want to do, do it. it. Yeah. Right. And, cause it could, and is it going to really lead to something that's going to get, uh, and I always love the CFO types because they're the very pragmatic ones going, wonderful, how much am I putting in and what are we getting out? Right. I need to know that. That, has, that helps run the engine. It's got to make sense. Where's the business case for it? And that's really what we do. And in, more, in pretty much every case, what we find out is that initial use case in this particular one, that's more of a second or tertiary responsibility. What they really struggled with in the beginning was that digital workflows and standard operating procedures were not, were all over the place. Like before we can even, before we can do anything, if you're, if you're, Operating procedures are kind of like ad hoc, or it's it's in a it's in a manual over there that this one guy has, and then over there she's got the other half of it, or that kind of pulls out that like where you really need to start is this area here, and so that was one of those where we in in, digi- in allowing for the augmentation augmentation or the adoption of a digital workflow. So in, I always tell people if it's on paper, if you're running a job off paper at a refinery or some sort of plant like that. And I understand that's the way it's been done forever and everybody's comfortable with it, but that's your that's your low-hanging fruit and that's your entry point. It doesn't have to be like that anymore. And I don't just mean, here's the other thing. You don't just put it on an iPad. Putting on an iPad for the sake of putting on an iPad isn't really digital transformation. There has to be something else going along. You know, are you are you automating the workflow? Are you are you gonna categorize it? Are you gonna like you know put it somewhere else where you can check it off and make sure it got done? Because if it's just if it's just on an iPad and it's the same thing. So you want something, the, the real value, it sounds like, is uh, to not just change the uh, medium on which you are visually engaging. Um, and so then you kind of, you guys help them say, what else? Mm-hmm. Because that's a relatively easy, right, to take right. it from the, the, a well-documented piece of paper and get it on this. But I think what I may hear, be hearing you guys, you say, is then you can also say, now once you have that, here's what else. The workflow can be automated instead right. of just a, or, and you can maybe set up some accountability right. loops nope. in there or something like that. Yeah, I mean, like one of our devices, you can literally go through a digital workflow 
capture images, store them relative to those steps to verify this was done here. I, I, my wife had an infinity for a while and they would, after the oil change, they would send us a video of them showing us it's going through the steps of changing the filter and doing all the, well, right. That's so if you think in that kind of context of how much that would help from a qualitative standpoint, how much that, there's, and there's also residuals from that. You cache that and you can now start to look at training. You can look at failure analysis, situational issues. Am I coming? You know, how does that operational, where are all these steps I'm doing? And you can start to see, you can start right. to quantify that to help you make smarter right. and more improved business decisions. Yeah. Truly. Because there are, let's say it is a, uh, a process flow diagram or mm -hmm. a, a standard operating procedure or something, you know, that's lots and lots of good data uh, yeah. can usually come from uh, the, that step, right? When you take action, you're generating a piece of data. Yeah. Now, whether or not it's something you need to capture or not, but once you take action, or maybe even before you take action, maybe something you see. So very interesting. And so from the humans, just to kind of go back on that, because I think this is important to tie that in, so, and back to digital transformation. So if, if I go get some sort of shiny new amazing object and bring it to the, to, the, to the men and women on the front line and their first thought is what I really need, what, you're just adding more to it. What I really need help on is that as, I have four binders full of SOPs that I have to physically write in triplicate. Or, you know, and it's not that, but I'm just saying, right. you know, if it's anything like that and then you start to add in more, it's not really helping them. This is where... This is why POCs die. This is why certain aspects of that, that's why it, it fails because you're not, and that's why we have to bring those people in the room because back to that other example, they're going, we go, what's your biggest problem? They're like, it ain't that. It ain't that. Yeah. It's, I, I, right. I spent all day long looking for a procedure. I spent two hours looking for a procedure right. that I know is the right one. Yeah. And I just happen to know it's not the right rev because we don't have any kind of documentation on it. Right. And so, well, so you guys... That's a very interesting role. So you really, ah, you're kind of, let's see, I, don't, I need to be careful what I use here, the right term, but um, you're kind of a matchmaker mm, between the, the people. And uh, I was trying to think of the right matchmaking <laughs> app, but I was afraid I would say the wrong one. <laughs> um, but you are kind of a matchmaker. Yeah. Here, here's what your need is. Let us tell you a little bit about what's out there, what it can do for you, and let us help you figure out what's going to be fit for purpose for you. No, ex exactly. And it, because everybody's different. I mean, in, in companies are different. It, industries are different. Uh, require, even within a company, certain areas are different, certain requirements. It could be from a state to state. It could be from a, a, just a role. I mean, you look at some of these companies as big as they are that we deal with. Uh, I mean, it, 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 and it's something we, we tend to, you know, oh, we're in oil and gas. I mean, it's, I mean, well, I guess it's so massive. It's not right. even funny, right? It's just, it's all over the place. So it's, and even a company like an ExxonMobil or a, or a Schlumberger, SLB or Halliburton, I mean, pick your, pick your favorite or midstream company or downstream right. company. They're very, very different, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they're, and they're, I suspect, I don't know, but I, I suspect their architectures are very, very different. Um, the cultures are certainly different. And mm -hmm. um, so that's, uh, that that's great. And I, you know, I, I do, um, I think, so what do you, if you've been in a couple of these sessions or more mm -hmm. than a couple, I assume, how long have you been with CBD? Little, <clears throat> Almost a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. So when you've been in more than one of these, I don't know what to call it, these. Quick start, the, yeah, the process. Quick start. Yeah. I was going to call it the dating game, but okay. No, the it's, quick very much, it's very much like a dating game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. So um, when you're in these quick start sessions... Any observations that you have about 
because I know the cultures are all different yeah. from company to company. What strikes you? Are there any commonalities or are there things that are really helpful or really, I mean, we might be able to guess some of those, but is there just anything that sticks out? Other than they, other than they are what you think. You're going to have the champion. The person is like the the, Let's the digital doer, the yeah. one that's out front. Yeah. We're going to change the world and make everything digital. They're super excited. They see the benefit. They're, they're ready to go. Right. Gonna, and then you're going to have the... And not the stick in the mud. That's not fair. You're kind of the pragmatist, the one who's seen these things before. Yeah. The, get, the yes. Yeah. He's a. Uh, he's yeah. He's uh, questioning. He's right. Yeah. Right. And then and then you're going to have a lot of people that are, tend to be quiet, especially in this area in technology. Tend to be quiet because it's not because it is new. So there's it's not like a, a a basic software system or even an ERP or something where we've kind of done this. You know, we're not going over insurance premiums or something that right. we all have some familiarity with. It's more of a there, there's a there's a get them. There's a little bit of a fear. There's a little bit of a question, uh, especially on this. I, I mentioned overexertion and fatigue mitigation. Well, that sounds great, except I'm asking you for your heartbeat. I'm asking yeah. you for your blood pressure. Yeah. And people are like, well, wait, oh wait, that's my, you know, HIPAA. That's, yeah. And like, <laughs> right. Wait, and then legal and HR are going, hold on, hold the fort, you know, time out. Right. Um, and so it becomes very much, uh, it's it's uncharted territory. Mm -hmm. So there's a bit of a, a of a cautious optimism. Um, and then, and then quite honestly, the, the rest of the crews kind of, you know, their finance types are pretty much what you'd much, expect, yeah. what you'd expect. Like, let's, you know, what, what's the ROI, yeah. how we're going to make this, what's it going to cost? Why should we do this? But all of these kind of, sometimes people call them personas. Mm -hmm. They show up in the room. Oh, for sure. And you want them, you, you want them because then it gives them a voice at the table yeah. and it validates their, so that you don't go back right. there and go, well, all we had was cheerleaders in the room and right. nobody decided to say, why are we doing this? Yeah. Well, it is interesting. I remember a long time ago, but I was working with a large consulting company and they were actually acting as an integrator uh, for a big ERP project. And I was working on the operations side. And, you know, you know, everybody, I think, was doing the best they could to try to um, paint this picture of what, you know, work was going to be like on the other side of this integration and I'll never forget, I was just, and I'd been working with these guys, and so they brought in a lot of the operations folks, you know, everything from foremen to some managers and some, um, like, equipment reliability, um, um, maintenance kind of folks and stuff. And I'll never forget, when we kind of got down to, okay, now you're going to have access to this kind of data, right? And I remember one of the guys, and I loved the honesty, and, and he said, well, that's great. But who's going to look at all this data? What, what, what are we going to do with it? And so it's like we now have all this stuff, but nobody's, you know, the the organizational capability around dealing with all of that data wasn't there yet. And so they were like, okay, this is all great, but who's going to look at this data? And and what what exactly, why is this going to be good for me? Right, how are they going to look at it? What yeah. are they going to try to figure out? Yeah. And that's really where it, it's a nice segue into that's really where the benefit of AI and things like that come in machine learning to be able to take massive amounts of really what is kind of boring, mundane, and and deep and like really com and even complex, you know, not just simple but complex data. How do you really get a comprehensive you, aspect of it? How, how do, do you, you get that insight? How mm -hmm. do you get? Yeah, an AI I would think would be very helpful. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and that's where it's where if you're out and it's it's an algorithm at the end of the day. I mean, I'm not trying to simplify it. And pardon me if you're out there screaming at your. Uh, at your listening device, but to an extent, you're 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 comparing, contrasting data yeah. relative to that data set to get yeah. some sort of insight. That's really what they're trying yeah. to do. Yeah, excellent. Well, listen, Sean, thank you very much.
You're for, so welcome. For being here talking about reality and what we think it is and what it really is and how we can make more. I, I think it's a, it's fascinating. But I love the focus on we recognize we're changing people's lives and we're changing the way they work. Hmm. And so let's involve them instead of just throwing something and say, here, use this. Let's figure out... Um, you know, how to actually, can we actually help them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of think that's a great way of looking at it. Yeah, no, and we can. That's, yeah. And the, the amazing thing is, it can. We just got to manage it right. It's up to us. I think we can do it. And just have some confidence it's going to be okay. There's going to be some bumps, but it'll be all right. Great. Well, thank you again for joining us here today on the Digital Doers podcast. And um, one more time, before we sign off, I want to say, go take a look at hpe.com. And also, I've got a favor to ask. Um, in, the, in the show notes, there's going to be a link to a little one-question, 10-second survey. And I'd really appreciate it if you'd click on that and go answer that for me. Uh, that, that gives us a little data uh, and uh, would be helpful. So thank you so much. Thank you again for listening. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, HPE. And until next time, um, we'll talk to you then. Come back next week for another venture into the real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.